0: All right, good morning. Hey, let's see, first time I did this, right? Let's see, oh yeah, two in a row, I'm awesome. Uh, hey, my name is Landon Dermott. I, uh, I am the area director of Young Life here in the Roanoke Valley, and uh, it's a gift to get to be here this morning and, and teach for a little bit. I grew up here in Roanoke, and my life was forever changed uh, by the ministry of Young Life. And, um, you know, for longer than even I've been around, this church has been a faithful and loyal partner uh, of the ministry of Young Life. So I'm grateful to this church uh, for the impact it's had in my life through the ministry of Young Life. And it's really fun to get to be here this morning and, and be with you for the next couple minutes. And uh, I know what you're thinking. Most people say this that, that when they look at me, the first thing that pops into their head is, that guy is a football player, right? Like when you look at me, you're like, football player, right? People often will say, you know, are you like a tight end, defensive end, offensive tackle, one of those things? I am a football player, or was, back in the day, uh, but you're going to be shocked when I tell you this, I was a kicker, okay? So I actually played football over at Hidden Valley High School, and uh, my sophomore year of high school, my gym teacher told me they needed a kicker, and he wanted me to come out for the team, so I went out, and uh, I was the kicker, had never played, had never put shoulder pads on, or a helmet, or any of that, in my life, and... uh, I was a kicker and it was a great job right you get to stand on the sidelines no one hits you you jog out every couple minutes you kick it through the uprights you jog off that's all you got it was great Uh, my third football game ever we were playing against Lord Bonetat High School and the game uh, had sort of progressed and we were winning pretty handily and you know towards the end of the game as it gets more or less serious the coach starts to put in some people that uh, maybe don't play and I'm standing on the sidelines, honestly just relieved that I'm not gonna have to go in and and kick a game-winning kick, right? Like, I'm just relaxing and all of a sudden, I hear my coach, Scott Weaver, say, Landon, my first reaction, of course, is to look around because my assumption, even though there's no one else named Landon on the team, is he must be talking to somebody else, right? Like, we're on our own 20-yard line. There's no need for a kicker. What does he want? And sure enough, he's talking to me. So I walk over and he looks me in the face and he says, Landon, I want you to go in tell Jimmy, who was a running back at the time, that he's out and tell the guys we're running 48 sweep right. I didn't know what any of that meant. Literally didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay, and in that moment, I had a choice. I could stay on the sidelines or I could take the play call and I could jog out on the field. Because I'm crazy, I jogged out on the field and I got into the huddle and I looked down and I said, Jimmy, you're out. And Jimmy was like, for who? Because in his mind, I had come out to tell him he was out. I was gonna jog off and somebody else was gonna come in. That's how little sense it made that I was in the game at this point, okay? And uh, he jogs off kind of looking back to see if it's a prank and I get in the huddle and at this point, I assumed that in huddles, people spoke in grunts, right? You get in there and the guys are just all like, a break. That's how I thought it went. So I get in there and I'm waiting for the grunts to start and I look around and everybody's looking at me because coach had sent the play call in with me and they're like, what's the play call? And I was like, all right, we're running 48 sweep right. Ready, Break. And my best friend, Nick Ratliff, at the time was in the huddle, and he was playing quarterback. And he grabbed me by the face mask, and he had a really serious look in his face. And I was like, oh, no, what did I do? And he pulls me in, and he says, you know what this means, right? And I just shook my head yes, even though I didn't, because I didn't want him to know. I didn't know. And uh, he goes, this means I'm going to pitch you the ball, and you're going to run as fast as you can that way. And I was like, okay. And so... I go, and if you know anything about football, typically the running back is, you know, just a couple yards behind the quarterback. Well, we're on our own 20-yard line. Nick looks back. I'm, like, behind the goalpost, hiding like this, like, please. And he tells me to scoot up, so I get there. And I vividly remember Nick going under center, and he was, ready, ready, Said, hut. He pitched me the ball. And lucky for you, we've done some digging in the historical archives, and we have live footage, or not live footage, but footage of that play that day. Let's go ahead and run it. Chicken Little Flea Flicker on two. Take it. Okay, Chicken Little Flea Flicker on two. What's that? It's a pitch to Johnny. Pitch to Johnny? You can't pitch to Johnny. I'm Johnny! Zoltek, he's gonna need some running room. Gotcha. Excuse me, guys! Guys, come on! Now what? Just run to him. So you might have figured out pretty early That's not actually my run That's Johnny Venero from the 1994 film The Little Giants That story is true though I did run the football uh, Except for when I did it I ran about seven yards Someone touched my foot I fell on my face I got up and I ran off to the sidelines As fast as I could to make sure There were no more play calls with me in a running back I ended my career at Hidden Valley With seven yards of an average per carry It was my only carry But the numbers don't lie uh, And uh, you know in that moment I had a choice I could take the play call and jog out on the field, or I could stay on the sidelines. And I would venture to say that the same is true for us every day, maybe even every moment, that there's a play call for our lives, and we're given a choice to stay on the sidelines or to jog out on the field. You may have known this, you may not. We're currently in a sermon series on the book of Proverbs here at Church of the Holy Spirit. And what we're doing is taking a look at a book that if you're like me, you haven't spent a ton of time in, maybe in your course of time studying the Bible, uh, that gives us some insight and some wisdom for how life is meant to be lived. That wisdom is the way to live in the way that we've been designed to live. And Proverbs gives us these nuggets of wisdom and we're gonna take a look at some of those this morning and, and what it might say for our lives. This morning we're going to look at a theme specifically in the book of Proverbs, a a theme of sloth. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, we're looking at Proverbs and we're looking at sloth. Like what in the world could be there for me in that? But I would venture to say that uh, this theme of sloth might just be more prevalent in our lives than we like to give it credit for. And if we could figure out the wisdom for our lives in this, it might just change everything. So what I want to do real, real quick is, is take a survey of some of the places we see this theme of, of sloth or, or a sluggard come up in the book of Proverbs and, and what it's saying about that. And then we'll try to figure out what that means, and then we'll try to apply that to our lives. So the first is Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11, and uh, I'll go ahead and read that, and it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So we see that Proverbs is saying if we choose to live in the way of the sloth, poverty will come on us like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 15, 19 says the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. So we see the way of the, the sluggard or the sloth is, is more of a dangerous and challenging path, whereas the path of the upright is a highway. And the last one is a little bit more severe, and it's Proverbs twenty one twenty five, and it says the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. So we see that the desires of the sluggard or the sloth about death or the death of them and and so we see as simple as it might sound that this this thing of sloth or being a sluggard is a bad thing but what does that actually mean right we don't use that word sloth a lot we don't talk about it much I I at least haven't heard it much and I think there's two reasons for that Uh, you may not have known this you may have the the sloth the sin of sloth is actually on this pretty famous list a list of the seven deadly sins which isn't actually from the Bible but it's this kind of widely accepted list of sins that are kind of the heavy hitters the ones that people deal with often and and sloth is actually on that part of the reason I don't think we talk about it much is if you look at that list of seven deadly sins uh there's some big hitters in front of it you've got pride uh anger lust envy you see greed i think is in there you see these big hitters and i think we're often like okay there's a lot of stuff i need to fix there and we don't often get all the way down to to the sin of sloth the second reason uh is i think we don't understand totally what this word sloth actually means you know i think when i think of someone who's a sloth I think of myself or a couple of my roommates when we were in college who on the weekends wouldn't move off of the couch right we would be eating pizza playing playstation and we weren't doing anything it was just this idea of laziness like that's what i think of when i think of sloth there's a scene from zootopia you might have seen it but we think that sloth is equal to laziness okay and that's kind of where we go in our minds and if if sloth is laziness then the solution would be busyness And so we think that the the antidote, so to speak, for this poison of sloth, the solution would be busyness. And in our world today, we're busier than ever, right? If you're like me, you might be checking your emails at dinner time. You might be in between meetings, taking as many phone calls as you can. You might be taking on more volunteer things than you can handle. You might feel like your life is go, 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 go. And so we think, okay, sloth is laziness. Therefore, if I stay busy, I'm not a sloth. But what if sloth were something a little bit more? What if it actually cut a little bit deeper and went a little more to the heart? See, the translation of the word sloth in, uh, in this list of seven deadly sins is this word asadia, which comes from acadia, a Greek word, and it means without care. I'll read that definition for us, but it's basically lacking engagement, concern, commitment, or zeal. A word that we use often today is that this idea would be sloth is equal to a sadia, which is actually equal to a word we use often, apathy. That sloth is actually apathy in that we would know what needs to be done, but choose not to do it. To know what's needed, but choose not to do it. For me, on the football field that day, it would have been to know the play call, which is 48 sweep right, but to stay on the sidelines. And if that's sloth, unfortunately, I think that's me a lot more often than I'd like to admit okay so that is our problem right this sin of sloth is this apathy to know what needs to be done but we're not doing it so then what's our solution and I would venture to say the best place to look for our solution would be a guy who walked the earth 2,000 years ago across the world in the Middle East whose life we still talk about today a guy who knew no sin a guy from a village called nazareth in jesus's life we see someone who knew the play call he knew from the beginning what he came for and where he was going he predicts his own death he said it says often that he set his face resolutely toward jerusalem he knew what he was here for to seek and save the lost to give his life as a ransom for many He knew that he was coming to live the life that we should have lived and die the death that we deserved to die and ultimately go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he knew what he was here for. But in this moment that I want to key in on, towards the end of his life in a garden, I think that the sin of sloth starts to whisper in Jesus' ear. That though he knew the play call for his life and he knew where he was going, this temptation starts to whisper in his ear and say, hey, maybe you could just stay on the sidelines. Instead of jogging out on the field. It's in Matthew chapter 26. It's when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he goes with his, his friends and he knows that the play call for his life is coming quickly. It says this Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus being fully man and also fully God knew what this cup entailed. He knew how painful it would be to pay the penalty for our sins and there's a moment of do I stay on the sidelines or do I jog out onto the field all alone in this garden it says in another account that Jesus was sweating blood his best friends have fallen asleep and his enemy was so close he could probably hear their footsteps in that moment Jesus prays and he says coach is there going to be an audible but there was no audible that day And Jesus went to the cross. And thank God for me and for you that he did. That he did, and in dying, he reconciles us back into relationship with the Father that we were designed to be in. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Jesus did it because his life was full of passion. Passion being an awareness that your life is bigger than your own. Passion so deep that you're willing to suffer or even die for something. And we see him live that out in his life. So we see that if if the sin of of sloth is actually apathy, then the antidote instead of busyness would actually be passion. This idea that our life is bigger than ourselves and that we're willing to suffer or even die for it. And the question is, how do we get that passion, right? Like I I can't just go and, and be like, I'm just... Passionate now i'm all of a sudden passionate right like we we need that to come from somewhere and the question is how do we get that passion how do we get the passion that jesus had how do we get the passion to go from the sidelines to jogging out on the field and i think the answer is actually right under our noses in this passage and it's actually riddled all throughout the gospel accounts of Jesus' life where did the passion come from Crazy enough, it's actually also seen in the clip that I showed at the beginning. Johnny catches the ball and he says, what do I do? And the quarterback points. She says, run to him. Run to the Father. What does Jesus do in his moment of sorrow and despair and pain and anguish? He runs to the Father. All throughout the counts of Jesus' life, we see him pulling away from the things that need to get done, the places he needs to go to be alone with the father are we getting alone with the father because it's there where he transforms our hearts it's there where we go from a place of apathy to a place of passion and awareness that our life is about more than just us to be so passionate they're willing to suffer or even die for it are we running to the father It's no easy sell, what's the play call for our lives? In Luke chapter nine, Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. There's a quote from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer and he says, when Christ calls someone, he bids them come and die. It's not an easy sell that we would share in the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ, but also get to share in his resurrection. The way the sloth often seems easier trust me i know and it's very easy for me to to know what needs to be done but want to take the easier path and if we live the life of the sloth we'll live a safe and cautious life that's eventless and maybe even void of meaning living for a long time simply because we're willing to suffer or die for nothing But, live a life of passion. Live the life that Christ has designed us for. The life with the play call we've been given. We get the chance to live a passionate, exciting adventure. Sharing in his sufferings, but also in his resurrection. Don't miss today. Don't miss what the Lord has set out for, for you and only you. Don't you know that you are poised in this space and time with a unique purpose? Don't miss what the Lord wants to do in and through you. As a father or a mother, as a brother or a sister, as a friend or a stranger, a boss or a coworker, don't miss the play call the Lord has for you. The question is, will we stay on the sidelines? Live the life of the sloth, which the proverbs warn against, or will we jog out on the field and take the call? The craziest part of this is to do this doesn't start with trying harder, working harder, trying to earn more or doing more or any of those things. In fact, it's actually really simple. The way to do it, to the way to live a life of passion is to be alone with the Father, to get alone with the Father, and it's there he transforms our hearts. Just like Johnny, just like Jesus, are we running to the Father? I'm gonna pray. Lord, thanks for this time. Thank you that you went to the cross for us. Thank you that you love us. Pray that we would live a life of passion instead of a life of apathy. It's in your name we pray, amen.